All right, welcome back to the Christian Tactician Podcast. I am your host, Adam Yates. Thank you so much for taking the opportunity to spend some time listening to me today. I am so very grateful for all of the support that I've received from so many of you who are tuning in, who are uh, listening and trying to strengthen yourself spiritually, strengthen yourself as a Christian man, walking as Christ has asked you to. I've had many people reach out to me and and tell me that they've been enjoying and taking some strength from this, and uh, I don't take any of that glory to myself. I uh, spend time in prayer before every one of these that I record and uh, with the hope and with the the pleading uh, to God that what I say, that what I present, that my thoughts would be something that's useful, something that's easily understood, something that uh, those who take the time to listen could put to use in their life. I want to uh, to begin, as I always do, telling you that I am so very passionate about this. You know, this is something that is very important to me, that I encourage those around me. I encourage those who uh, claim the name of Christian to uh, take up the mantle of Christian manhood. I'm passionate about it. It's important. It's important that we take up that, uh, that burden, we take up that cross of being a Christian and being a Christian man, not being afraid of it or ashamed of it, not using it inappropriately, but following the example of Christ and, and the words that he's caused to be written, the story of him and of so many righteous men and women who are uh, contained in the scriptures, that, that they're there for our benefit. It's an example. It helps us to to walk forward in a difficult life. Life is difficult, and I understand it. I understand the difficulties of being a man, but you know, God chose you. He, he chose you to be a man. He knew what he was doing when he created you. He doesn't do anything by accident. God is a God of order. He's a God who desires to be involved in your life. He knows how to get you where he wants you to be, if you will allow him to, and if you will follow his word. I also want to remind you this, that dogs also bark at what they don't know. I've said this in previous podcasts, I'm going to continue to do it. I do believe with my whole heart that, you know, if you look at the scriptures, you see that so often an entire change was made by the directing and by the acting of one person. One person was willing to step up. One person was willing to make a change. One person was willing to say something, and a lot of times it changed the course. If you look through the scriptures, it's full of it. One person. And, you know, and I believe this quote, dogs also bark at what they don't know. If you've listened to my previous podcast, you know my thoughts behind that, because we, we haven't done a good job throughout previous generations of really showing what a man should be. There's, you know, it's no wonder that this world is intimidated and afraid, because manhood has become something that has been distorted. It's become something that has, uh, that's been, been uh, changed and mutilated from what the Lord wanted it to be, and it's being hidden by things like multiple partners and by aggression and by selfishness and by uh, uh, forcing people to follow you and, and, and those sorts of things. You know, manhood has been, has been mutilated, it's been watered down, and no wonder people are intimidated by it. No wonder society doesn't want men to step up and be men because we haven't given a good picture of it because we've we've walked away from what Christ wanted us to be as men. And so I you know one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is if you, if you yourself, whoever's listening to this, if you can find yourself by some of the words, by some of the stories, by some of the examples, if it touches something in you and you begin to make changes, you can begin to change the way that uh, your community, you know, your family, uh, those who you work with, um, you know, you can begin to to show something different. What Christ-like manhood is, we can make a change, and I and I know we can do that. And I'm I'm honored, and I'm thrilled, and I'm excited to be a part of it, and hope that uh, those who interact with me can see begin to see someone who is working hard to be a Christian man. I, you know, I haven't accomplished it all yet. I'm not there. 
I, I anticipate my entire life is going to be working to be a Christian man and to 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 hit that measure of uh, righteousness and of godly man manhood and, and godly manhood and righteousness that Christ has called for us men to be. It's a it's a life's work. I'm in I'm in this for a life's work, and uh, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. So what do I want to talk about today? I hope this isn't going to be a long podcast, and I, I want to talk. Uh, today, you've, if you've seen my uh, my title, it says, What We Do in Life Echoes in Eternity. And so I want to go ahead and just begin with a cut from the movie Gladiator. And uh, so let's go ahead and listen to that here real quick. Three weeks from now, I will be harvesting my crops. Imagine where you will be. And it will be so. Hold the line! Stay with me! You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead! <laughs> Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Okay. So uh, if you've seen this movie, you know exactly what happens. You know, he makes this statement as they're getting ready to go into battle, and he reminds his men, you know, as they're getting ready to go and fight, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I found myself thinking about that particular statement, and, and of course I believe that's true on many different fronts. I believe as a Christian that what we do in life it has an effect on where we go after this life is over. I have to believe that. The Scriptures speak plainly of it. Um, that what we do matters, that our decisions here, it echoes, it has an effect in our eternal life. And so I'm going to tell you guys that this is this is something that, that has to do with your spiritual life, that what you do in life echoes in eternity. But you know, I, I, what I really want to talk about today is I want to talk about just another aspect of manhood, building on our previous one about mentoring and, and about being a father. You know, this is going to apply to some of you. It's not going to apply to all of you. If you don't have children or you're not married, don't turn this off. This is important. And uh, if you're young and you think I've got nothing to offer when it comes to being a mentor, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think being a mentor comes with experience, comes with maturity, but I believe that we're always working towards those things. If we're reminded that there is an expectation of us as we uh, uh, achieve Christian manhood to begin to give it back, if that's something that we're beginning to hear over and over again as we're growing up, then it's become more natural to us. Uh, There's something about being a man, being a Christian man, that makes you want to give back. And and if you're a guy who is all about yourself, if you're a guy who has never looked at uh, another person, in, whether it's uh, someone in your life or in your church or in your, your employment, and have seen them struggle and have felt like you have something to offer them, some sort of hope, some sort of encouragement, you know, if you're not looking and seeing those opportunities, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that you're really struggling. Uh, because if you are striving for the mark of Christian manhood, you should be caring about the struggles, the difficulties, the needs of others, and, and, and being considering how you can be of an effect to them. So I, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and read a couple of scriptures here, and I've got some, I've got some uh, 
quotes from some studies and things like that, you know, that I want to go over here because uh, we're talking about things that are really important. And so I want you to think about this, fathers. The the writer, uh, you know, in Luke says this in Luke chapter one, verse 50, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. You know, this statement is, is that the Lord is merciful to those who fear him and their children and their children's children and going on down. You know, when we teach these things, when we establish with our family, with those around us to to be fearful, not 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 terrified, but to be um, humbled by God, to to honor him, to recognize where he is in relation to us, that that he is so far above us. That you know we we couldn't even stand in His presence because we're unrighteous, but we have this righteous God who loves us and who wants to bless us. And it says His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. You know, mercy is one of those things that that is important to consider. We'll talk about the aspect of mercy in one of our our future podcasts. God's mercy, where there should be judgment, it's bypassed, it's forgiven, it's delayed. You know, God's mercy is on those that fear Him from generation to generation, and we teach those things. I teach those things to my children with the hope and the intent that if if it's important to me, and I teach it to my children, and they see it in me, that they're going to replicate those things, and they're going to reap the mercy and the love of God. But Numbers 14, 18 makes a different statement, or it makes not... A different, but it gives the other side of the coin. It says this, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. You know, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I think I probably read, uh, uh, there's several, there's several um, passages throughout the Bible that speak this similar concept, and I probably mentioned in the previous podcast, but you know, you find this is that, that the iniquity of the fathers falls down on the children of the third and fourth generation. And what does that mean? That means that, you know, if I am living this life that is full of sin, that if I, you know, in, in, in a previous podcast, I talked about no confidence and I talked about how, you know, when, when we're all about ourselves, when we uh, forego trying our best to be what our family needs, you know, we, we begin setting a pattern that is replicated in them. Uh, sometime last year, we had a marriage, or I'm sorry, we had a parents retreat here in, in our local church. And uh, one of the sections that I taught, it, I, I just, I threw out a ton of statistics about what our children do based on our example. And, and you know, one of the things that they, that they showed on study after study was your children will by and large replicate what they see in you. And when you talk about things like religion, you know, children a lot of times they walk away from religion. They say they show that, you know, these Christian kids raised up in Christian households and families, you know, if they when they walk away from the church if they do, a lot of times that decision is made in their early teens. Uh, early to mid-teens, that, that they just weren't engaged, they weren't a part of it. But as part of this uh, study, they asked those kids who didn't walk away and and who, who took up uh, positions of responsibility and, and, and followed uh, after uh, the gospel, you know, and they were dedicated to it. And those kids said that, you know, when we saw that it mattered in the lives of our parents— and that God was working, and they shared their blessings, and it was something that was spoken of to us. It helped us to know that it was true, and we held on to it. So think about that. You know, here I just read two sides of the coin. Uh, God's mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. You know, when we teach our children to to honor uh, the Lord and to follow His Word, and we show them that God continues to bless us, it establishes something that falls down. It goes. It, 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 it follows from generation to generation. But it also says that our iniquity, 
those things that we do, our sins, it falls down. It follows to the third and fourth generation. And, you know, and I said this in a previous podcast, anyone who's a, a police officer listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about because we see it. We see generations that are in prison, that are in sin, that are uh, stuck in drug use and all that. I mean, I can't tell you how many homes I walked into in the course of my career as a police officer. When they're on the wall, you saw pictures of, of three and four generations of people in prison. You know, in, in the prisons, at least here in Arizona, they have like um, picture day. Uh, I don't know if it's every year or whatever, but you know, here you have these pictures framed on the wall. You know, this mother, this grandmother's got a picture of her of her husband and of her son and of her grandson, you know, sometimes all three of them in the same picture, all of them wearing orange jumpsuits, pictures in prison. Why did that happen? Because there was a pattern that was set early on. And, and you know, by and large, your children are going to follow your example. And, and that doesn't mean it's 100% of the time. There's always going to be those who who deviate to one direction or the other. I'm not saying every good Christian family uh, is going to have all their children successful in life and never have struggles, nor am I saying anyone who's come from a troubled home is going to follow in that path completely. I mean, there's always, the Lord's always calling out and giving options, and, and we can always choose to change. But you know, even the scriptures say, you know, you, you bring up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's a promise and a curse, isn't it? And so, uh, you know, as husbands, as fathers, Uh, we should be considering that. You know, some of us have benefited by the hard work, the efforts, and the reputation of those who have gone before us, you know, when it comes to positions and employment, um, better overall financial situation, you know, being able to get a college education, name recognition. You know, some people have have benefited by the hard work of of their fathers, of their grandfathers, their great-grandfathers. You know, for me, uh, I know that, you know, let's take, for instance, the fire department in the city of Phoenix. You know, my great-grandfather was a member of the fire department in the 1920s, and there's been a continual Yates on the fire department since then. There's name recognition there, you know, and, and, and the hard work and the efforts of those who went before have helped out those who have gone behind. Some of us have felt negative effects of that, right? You know, the, the bad decisions of, of parents, of fathers, the absence thereof have, has resulted in, um, you know, we'll look here that absence of a father is the single most important cause of poverty. You know, some of us have felt the effects of less opportunity in life, that we've had emotional baggage, that we've had bad decisions because there wasn't, there wasn't that, that person there that, that God purposed to be there to help to direct you in the way that you should go. Being a father is so very important. And and I'm going to I'm going to draw in the end of this because I'm not just talking about fatherhood. I'm also talking about mentorship and I'm going to draw all of this together. But I, this is something that, you know, I I hope that it, uh for those of you who are fathers who are listening to this that you're thinking about this, that you're considering your involvement with your children and, you know, am I doing what I ought to be doing? Am I am I doing it good enough? And do I need to be uh, refining my actions in what I do? So I want to read a study here, uh, just a, a quick a quick excerpt from a study. It says, officials at New York State's Auburn Penitentiary, in an attempt to discern the causes of crime, studied the biographies of incarcerated men. Reports to the legislature suggested that family disintegration resulting from death, desertion, and divorce of parents led to undisciplined children who eventually became criminals. So this was a study um, that, that showed this, and this was presented to the legislature. Oh, by the way, this was in 1829. This study happened, and that's come that uh, particular thing come from a uh, an article called "Patterns of Homicide Among Children from the Criminal Justice and Behavior uh, 35 Number One." Interesting. We're not talking about something new. 
the importance of having a male figure in a life is important, uh, and it's and it has been for generations. You know, you look at some of these studies and some of these stories about uh, some of these indigenous uh, tribes throughout the world, and, and you know, the role of men is extremely important, and it's because it helps to bring order, and it helps to bring direction, and it helps to bring um, a calming and an evening of of households and of uh, societies. So today, nearly 25 million children have an absentee father. According to professional literature, the absence of the father is the single most important cause of poverty. The same is true for crime. Of all adolescents, those with intact married families are the least likely to commit delinquent acts. Children of a single-parent home are more likely to be abused, have emotional problems, engage in questionable behavior, struggle academically, and become delinquent. Problems with children from fatherless families can continue into adulthood. These children are three times more likely to end up in jail by the time they reach age 30 than children raised in intact families and have the highest rates of incarceration in the United States. Kind of an important uh, statement and statistic there just to consider. One thing I want to tell you is is I I would... uh, Bet that of my listeners here, there are some of you men who are are divorced fathers, and perhaps your children don't live with you. And, and I'd have to look a little farther here to see if I put it in here, but you know, it, this isn't hopeless. You still have an opportunity to be involved. And what it shows is is that even in these broken families where the father is not living there, that the father's uh, uh, effort to be a, a a part of their children's livelihood it it brings them up and it helps them. And so even though we might be in situations that aren't ideal, if we're stepping up to be a father, to be that mentor, to be that direction that God called us to be as men and as fathers, you know, even in some of these situations that aren't ideal, we can still be involved. Along with the increased probability of family poverty and heightened risk of risk of delinquency, a father's absence is associated with a host of other social problems. The three most prominent effects are lower intellectual development, higher levels of illegitimate parenting in the teen years, and higher levels of welfare dependency. A variety of studies suggest that fathers' engagement positively impacts their children's social competence. It positively impacts their children's later IQ and other learning outcomes. The effects of fathers on children can include later life educational, social, and family outcomes. Children may develop working models of appropriate paternal behavior based on early childhood cues, such as father's presence, in turn shaping their own later later partnering and parenting dynamics, such as more risky adolescence sexual behavior and earlier marriage. Paternal engagement decreases boys' negative social behavior, delinquency, and girls' psychological problems in early adulthood. Father's financial support, apart from engagement, can also influence children's cognitive development. And that comes from an article in the Child Encyclopedia. We, we look at this and we say that, you know, being involved with your children, it helps their social competence, how they interact with people. It helps their IQ. It makes them smarter. That's interesting. And, and various other learning outcomes. It helps them later in life for uh, educational, social, and family outcomes. They learn how to be a father. They learn how to have good relationships by fathers who are positively influencing their life. It decreases negative social behavior in boys, right? They're not acting out as much. And girls' psychological problems in early adulthood, you know, because they're not searching for something that they were missing. They had this example of of a, a godly man in their life who loved them and helped them to, to see what it is that they're looking for in their life. The, these are huge. These are huge things. You know, what you do in life echoes... In eternity, and it falls down on the third and fourth generation, and it, it enacts the Lord's mercy. 
from generation to generation. I'm going to read a handful of verses here from the Book of Mormon, uh, from Jacob, chapter 2. And uh, when I come to the end of it, I'm going to come to the end of this reading with how I close my podcast, but you're not getting out of it that easy. I'm not done quite yet. So when I say arise from the dust and be men, don't turn it off. I'm going to keep going here. Uh, but I want you to listen to this in, in terms of what we've been, what I've been talking about and presenting here. So I'm going to read from Jacob chapter 2, and I'm going to read, you know, this is, this is right uh, in where I was uh, talking about in that no confidence. I mean, this is right in that same portion. You know, here this man was, was talking and he was lecturing the men who were around him and saying, you're causing problems with your family. And, and he begins to talk about uh, the, the enemies that are without of, of this group of people, of Christians. And, and it says, you know, he says this about, about them. He says, their unbelief and their hatred towards you is because of the iniquity of their fathers. The way that they're treating you is because they were taught that way by the, by the unbelief and the sins of their fathers. It says, wherefore, how much better are you than they in the sight of your Creator? Wherefore, a commandment I give unto you, which is the word of God, that ye revile no more against them because of the darkness of their skins, neither revile against them because of their filthiness. But you should remember your own filthiness, and remember that their filthiness came because of their fathers. Wherefore, you shall remember your children, how you have grieved their hearts because of the example that you've set before them. And also remember that you may, because of your filthiness, bring your children unto destruction, that their sins be heaped upon your heads at the last day. It's kind of an interesting way that he says that. Uh, we we do recognize and we know that I'm not guilty of every sin, uh, of the sins that my children commit. However, if I have not brought them up in the right way and I've taught them that that's the way to go, that that you know it's okay to lie and cheat and steal and and to sleep around and to you know do all these terrible things. If that's what I've taught them, knowing that it wasn't right, that's a sin, and I'm going to answer for that. And this is the warning that he's given. He's saying, you know, understand that these people who are contrary to you, who are against you as Christians, he said they were taught these things by their by their parents. They were taught by their fathers. And if you're not careful, your example is going to do the same thing to your children. And the and you know the Lord is not going to hold you guiltless. The next scripture I want to read is in 2 Nephi chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 30 to 36. And when I close, when I finish reading verse 36, I'm going to read that. Um, it'll, it'll finish with uh, my closing statement on my podcast of Arise from the Dust and Be Men, but you're not getting out that easy. I'm not done yet. Uh, I'll have some more to go after that. But just to give a little bit of context, this is a man who's literally laying on his deathbed. And he has a, a, a handful of sons, and amongst his sons, there were those who were who were good and who were righteous and who were following God, and then there were those who were doing everything they could to fight against God. And this man's sitting here, and he's looking at the uh, the result of a lifetime of trying to be an example, and and he's going to give some warnings here to his sons who are not walking in that right way, uh, in the anxiety of of a of a father who's seeing his sons making decisions that are that are difficult and that are terrible and that have have uh, impacts throughout eternity negatively and for their own children. So he says this, And I desire that you should remember to observe the statutes and judgments of the Lord. Behold, this hath been the anxiety of my soul from the beginning. My heart hath been weighed down with sorrow from time to time, for I have feared lest for the hardness of your hearts the Lord your God should come out in the fullness of his wrath upon you, and that you should be cut off and destroyed forever, or that a cursing should come upon you for the space of many generations, and you're visited by sword and famine and are hated and led according to the will and the captivity of the devil. O oh, my sons, that these things might not come upon you, 
but that you might be a choice and favored people of the Lord. But behold, his will be done, for his ways are righteous forever. And he hath said, Inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. And inasmuch as you will not keep my commandments, you shall be cut off from my presence. And now that my soul might have joy in you, and that my heart might leave this world with gladness because of you, that I might not be brought down with grief and sorrow to the grave, arise from the dust, my sons, and be men. You know, he, he says, I'm looking at everything that you've done, and I know what God's Word says about it. And, you know, I want to leave this life with hope for you. So make some changes, my sons. Do things differently. Follow after God. And, and I guess in a lot of ways, you know, this, this kind of is where we land. So what do I take from this? You know, this man, he was a godly man, and he ended up with half of his sons were good and righteous and followers of Christ, and the other half were a bunch of knuckleheads and who were anti-Christ, who were anti-Christians, and who were leading their own families away. And, you know, and I'd mentioned it earlier that we can't always, you know, we can't determine the outcome of our families. But what is our responsibility? You know, there, even to his last breath, he was there being that that example and being that uh, word of encouragement and of direction, even to his last breath, saying, sons, don't allow yourself to be destroyed. Don't allow yourself to follow in sin. Nothing good's going to come of it. You know, with his last breath, he was calling his sons to to arise and to to take up that, that Christian manhood and to follow after righteousness and not follow after their own desires and not follow after sin. When do you stop parenting? When do you stop being an example? When do you stop having an influence on the lives of your children? And as we're going to talk now on those who you're mentoring, when is it? I don't think it ever stops. I think you always have that responsibility. I think you always have that responsibility to be looking for where you can interject good godly wisdom. We should be looking for those things. We should be praying for those opportunities. We should be praying for the opportunity to be of an effect in somebody else's life. And it has to be something that we do even until that last breath. Because what we do in life echoes in eternity. So I want to talk real quick to draw this to a close about mentoring. You know, about the importance I feel like when you are a good Christian man, the importance it is to find those who are struggling around you, those who need some encouragement and strength, and finding a way to be involved in their life and to, and to lift them up. So I'm gonna I'm pulling from a, a study quoted from a, a 2002 study, and it was published in an article in 2006 by Rhodes and Dubois. Uh, it says mentoring can help youth as they go through challenging life transitions, including dealing with stressful changes at home or transitioning to adulthood. Close, healthy, supportive relationships between mentors and mentees that last for a significant portion of time, uh, an example, more than a year, are central to success. Without this, mentoring programs run the risk of harming young people who are paired with mentors ill-equipped to meet the mentee's needs. Specifically, relationships with mentors that last less that last less than three months, where there's a regular or inconsistent contact, where there's a disconnect between the personalities, interests, and expectations of the mentors and mentees, where mentors are unprepared and lack skills to relate to youth, where there's no emotional bond between the mentor and mentee, those have been found to be harmful to youth. So it gives this important thing. It says that, you know, being a mentor is important to those around you, to these young men, these these, uh, uh, youth that are around you. It's important to them to help them with with stresses at home and transitioning to adulthood and all that. You know, we have this opportunity to to help through our experience and through our our wisdom that we've gained 
to to give uh, direction and to give little little words of guidance. It says it's important, and and that a, that a, a healthy and a supportive relationship between a mentor and someone who is being mentored, you know, it has a huge effect on them. But it, it needs to be something that's lasting. Uh, and it says here, you know, it lasts a significant portion of time. It says an example more than a year, and then it gives a little bit of warning here that you know mentoring programs. That actually, they're they're negative is when you have a mentor who who who's not equipped to meet the needs, that they don't give the time, they are irregular in it, they have a, a, a disconnect in expectations and things. You know, and I talked about this previously in my podcast about being a mentor is that, you know, we need to understand things like a mentor has to be dedicated to it, has to be willing to to be long suffering as the gospel tells us to be. You know, long suffering means that we're going to handle. Uh, we're not going to get frustrated. We're not going to walk away when things don't go the way that we know that they should, or or the way that works the best. You know, we have to be we have to be con- consistent and constant in those people's lives. And and you know, and this is talking about your children. And it's talking about those you know within your life who who are not necessarily related to you, but who you have taken up a position of being an encouragement and a and a strength to. You know that you have to have consistent contact with them, and if you remember, I think I read it in that previous podcast about being a mentor. Was you know Paul was talking to Timothy, and he says, you know, you need to be ready to preach the word, and he says, in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it's not. You know that you're ready, and that you're looking for those opportunities, and that you're being involved. You know, so there are these things that are important that you think about as far as being a mentor, and I think that you know you can look at that uh, within your responsibilities as a father as well. So uh, as far as when it goes to mentoring relationships, when you find yourself as a Christian man in this position where you want to give back, and you're giving back to your children, and you're also giving back to other others around you, it says that being a mentor, you know, that person who is mentored, they have increased high school graduation rates, lower dropout rates healthier relationships and lifestyle choices, better attitude about school, a higher college enrollment and higher educational aspirations, and enhanced self-esteem and self-confidence, improved behavior both at home and at school, stronger relationships with parents, teachers, and peers, improved interpersonal skills, decreasing the likelihood of initiating drug and alcohol use. Something that I think is important, you look at the scriptures and it says that you know that we're supposed to look for the widows and the orphans. You know, there are orphans that are around us it's not necessarily that their parents have died. It could be that their parents are non-existent, that their father's non-existent, you know, and it's important that, you know, as you are in this place of, of spiritual manhood and you're striving for that and you feel this this urging in your heart to give back and your eyes are open to see the needs of those who are around you, you know, recognize that it is scriptural that we take care of the widows and the orphans. We take care of those who, who don't have someone to provide those needs that are that that are essential and so often we focus on the physical aspect of things you know and it's true you always need food you need a place to stay you need all but you know just as important is that emotional is that psychological is is that connecting with someone like that you know it's important and you have an opportunity to to do that and to be that as a christian man to uh fulfill those requirements of a christian you know it's not one-sided there is a benefit that comes, you know, that, that there's studies that, that showed this, that, that when someone is actively involved in a mentoring relationship and in a fatherhood relationship and being a mentor, for you, it increases self-esteem. It gives you a sense of accomplishment, gives insight into childhood, adolescent, and young adulthood behavior, and increased patience and improved supervisory skills. That was from the U.S. Department of Labor. Isn't that interesting? 
And it's interesting to me how when we follow the gospel of Christ, when it comes to how we interact with each other, there's a blessing that comes on both sides. And this is one of these things that I think is important, this increased self-esteem and sense of accomplishment. You know, you feel better about yourself when you are able to give to someone else. That's always uh, something that comes with blessing. As I come to a close here, I want, I want to remind you of this. You know, as you, as you mentor, as you mentor and, and as you're active as a father and as you're active in this role as a leader and all that, you really become a warrior for that person you're mentoring. It's going to increase the necessity for you to be on your knees and praying. It's going to increase the necessity for you to be armed with the Word of God to help them through the struggles and situations that are going on. You know, you don't get to be one without the other. We're talking about all of these aspects of manhood that come together to fulfill all of these scriptural needs. And so be, be prepared for that. You know, you interject yourself or you introduce yourself into the life of someone else, and you're introducing yourself into their struggles and their difficulties and their joys and their successes, but you're also interjecting yourself and you're, you're becoming a part of, of the struggles that happen. And it's the same thing with your children, that when you, are, uh, be, when you move past the disciplining, uh, the, the foundational type things, and you become that mentor to your children, which I think is important, that, that giving of timely wisdom and all that, you, know, you don't get to just be that. You still have to be a warrior. You still have to be a friend, and you still have to be that king looking out for those who you're responsible, uh, who you're responsible for. You know, all these things go together. I want to close by reading, How far does a ripple from a pebble thrown into water extend? Youth camp, part of a man class, a couple of years ago we did this. As we were walking and talking about manhood, we walked by a pond, and you know, we started picking up and we started throwing rocks into the pond and looking and seeing uh, how far the the ripples, the little waves that come from the impact of a rock in this pond, how far they extend. You know, it seems kind of cliche, but it's the truth. You know, how far does your influence extend as a man, as a father, as a mentor, as uh, as that example of a Christian warrior, as a king who's looking at how far does, does your example, how far does your influence extend? So this says here, I, I, I had uh, Googled this and found all sorts of extremely technical mathematical things and all that. It, I just want a simple answer, you know. How far does a ripple from a pebble thrown into the water extend? Well, here's the answer. When a disturbance causes ripples on smooth water, you're watching energy propagate as the ripples spread outward from the source. The ripples cover more area as they expand, so the energy is spread out over more area, causing the amplitude to decrease as the circles widen. At the same time, Viscous effects from within the water are gradually draining energy from the waves. From a purely theoretical perspective, the waves will continue indefinitely. However, from a practical point of view, at some point the wave's energy will be indistinguishable from a background noise. You know, what is it that, that it says here? You know, I, I like this where it says from a purely theoretical perspective, the waves will continue indefinitely. You know, there, there is an effect that is had. That's one of those things where in my four aspects of a man, you know, that uh, a man has an expectation of something greater from God. You know, those things that we do, I have an expectation that it, that it will be continual, that there is an effect that extends beyond. I mean, I believe in the Word of God, as I read in the beginning of this, that those decisions, those things that we make, the influences we try hard to have, all of those things, you know, they extend. They keep going. They go beyond. And even if somebody, my child or my grandchild or my great-grandchild, doesn't fully accept their responsibility as a Christian, it's not that my efforts were in vain. And I have to believe that, and I have to be motivated by that. And I have to be understanding as a, as a Christian man, you know, as someone who is fighting for 
uh, to be every aspect of the man that Christ called me to, th- that I'm motivated by the belief of something beyond this, and that, you know, I can't always judge successes by what I see right this moment. That, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like a guy who's throwing seed out into a field, and anybody who's planted seed knows that sometimes when you plant seed, you know, one right next to the to the other in, in, a, in a field that's been uh, fertilized and you know that it's able to grow very well and everything is evenly watered and all that, Sometimes some seeds don't grow at the same time that other ones do. You know, sometimes that's just the way life is. But it doesn't stop my responsibility from actually throwing out seed. And that's kind of what I want you to think about. I want you to think about that you have a responsibility. So in here I talked about in this podcast, I talked to men as fathers. I wanted to remind you of the importance of your job. I wanted to remind you of the importance of of your role in your children's life for their future, positively and negatively. And I wanted to encourage all of you as mentors to be looking for how you can be that that strength and that encouragement, how you can uh, offer hope and uh, wisdom to someone else. You know, it's important that we do it. It's important that we look out for one another. You know, Paul talks about that in his letters. Is you know, don't let everyone mind his own things, but but look on the things of others. Be looking at those who are around you. Do you have a responsibility to your community? I believe you do. Do you have a responsibility to your nieces and nephews? I believe you do. Do you have a responsibility to that neighbor kid who comes over to play with your kids? I I mean, I believe you do. And I believe you can have an effect and you can have an influence on them. And I also believe that that's God's expectation for you because he put you here for a reason. If you're listening to this and you've continued to listen to me, he's had you listen and he's and, and you're in, you're interested in this for a reason, uh, not because I'm such an entertaining guy, but hopefully because you're looking at everything and you're saying, well, Adam might not be presenting it the best, but he sure is talking about some truth from God. God knows what he's doing, and he's put together a plan to get us where he wants us to be. What is your role in it, and are you accepting it? I hope that you do, and I hope that you also arise from the dust and be men.